I'm going to talk crazy. Yep. Alan's going to drop knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk crazy. And then we're going to close it out. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mage Talk. Mage Talk is brought to you by Mage Mail. Mage Mail brings your customers back with customer lifecycle email from Magento. Start your no risk trial today at magemail.co. Welcome to episode 90 of Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast. I'm Kalen. And I'm Philip. And today we are joined by a very exciting guest. It's kind of a big deal. The guest Super to end all guests. The guest to end all guests, honestly. Alan Storm, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! How's it going? <laughs> Alan Storm. Hello. Hey guys, thanks for having me. <laughs> Listen to that voice. Yeah, absolutely. That is the uh, this is awesome. It's the dulcimer tones of the Rode Podcaster microphone. (laughs) I love it. It sounds amazing. It's like liquid hot butter coming across the airwaves. Liquid hot (laughs) butter without the third degree burns. I would hope. (laughs) You know, Kalen, it's it it was. Do you know how difficult it is is to come up with like unique show titles? I actually went back in a Google Doc about six months ago, and I. It doesn't seem very difficult for you. You just pick the weirdest thing that. No, but I'm trying to tell you how I've done this. Now I came up with a bunch of weird sayings, and I work them into the show so that it's easier Ah. for me to come up with a a show title. (laughs) You you have a little scratch list of weird (laughs) sayings, and you just pull them out. Yeah. Um, Anyway, man, so this is really exciting. We actually reached out to Alan way back. I think we were like episode. No, don't. No, 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 no. Hold on. Not we, you. You it, was reached it me? out to Adam. Yeah, was I the was I the goofball that did it? We were at like episode seven. We didn't even have our intro down right. Yeah, and if I uh, uh, remember that right, it was a little bit after the or maybe even during the 2014. Imagine is that right? Would that timing put it at the right place? Mm. Uh, that would have been a little before us, but that's in the, that's the same era. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I yeah. believe um, I said I would be happy to be on once uh, you all got to 10 episodes. So I'm happy to be here <laughs> yeah. on episode number 11 yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, helping out this little operation. We're only 80, we're only 80 episodes late. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's yeah. a tiny operation. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I'm glad we finally managed to uh, find the time and, you know, glad I finally have something to talk about and be on here. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say for just kind of to get something out of the way, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't know who Alan Storm is, you definitely know who what his CSS looks like. Um, so I, I was wondering if maybe, Alan, if you could do a little uh, introduction of who you are and, um, and uh, you know, what service you've been providing to the Magento community um, as the godfather uh, for the last few years. As the uh, this is a terrible way to godfather. say you Godfather. Okay, yeah. I'm going to cross that buy oranges off my list later thing. Um <laughs> But I am independent software developer. I live in Portland, Oregon. I've been writing technical articles about Magento online for seven, eight years right now. Um, I make a commercial debugging extension and in-browser IDE called Commerce Bug, which we actually just released uh, that version two for Magento. So if you or your team are having trouble learning Magento or working with it and want to work faster, definitely check out Commerce Bug. I've also written an ebook on Magento. And, you know, I generally just kind of try to 
fill the gaps that are increasingly existing in these uh, software products. As the technology continues to go forward, a lot of times these bigger companies, they don't have the time to document it as well, or they don't really have time to put a good story around it for developers. It's just assumed, well, they're developers, we pay them a lot of money, they'll figure it out. So the way I see my job is I kind of, I create a story where I can tell developers how these software systems work and let them get started very quickly and put them in a position to both learn the specific software system and just become better programmers in general. So my company, Paul Storm, is kind of half consulting company, half knowledge product company. And, you know, I've you know, paid my bills so far. So, uh, you know, touch wood, hopefully that will continue. So that's me. I think I think you're doing OK. I think you're doing OK so far. Um that's uh, yeah. I mean, I have I have a lot of questions about the business. I have I have so many questions, and we'll see how long oh, this, we is, go. this This is like Kalen goes right for the jugular now. He three or four episodes ago, he's asking the guy that runs Mage Titans how much money he makes. Oh my off gosh, the you're never gonna let this go. I'm not gonna. Now, ask he's, now he's gonna ask you about your business. Model. I might. No, I'm not. Oh, uh, you can. You can um, ask. Go ahead, please ask me how much money I make. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's on my list now, but I, I wanted to, uh, man, I can't even remember what I was going to say. I'm so nervous about this, about this thing. Oh, what I was going to say is actually, if you're listening to this podcast, seriously, and you don't know who Alan Storm is, you are in a very interesting demographic. Yeah. No, you know, <laughs> and who I would Alan like Storm to is. know, no, I'd actually yeah. like to know. You just know, don't know like, that you know who send Alan Storm us is. Yeah. You don't know that you know. Send us an email and tell us how in the world you you got onto this podcast if you don't know who he is, um, <laughs> because I personally made you did. So um, I think be, I think let's let's start from the very beginning. And um, very good I, I'd love to, to know like when you first like what was the the sort of moment or the or the uh, decision point where you first decided, hey, I'm going to write some technical articles for Magento. I don't know exactly what you've been doing before that, or if you had already been doing that with with other systems before Magento. But what was that moment where you said, hey, I think I could write some articles about how this stuff Hmm. all works. Oh my goodness. How to do that without going back to the 90s. No, please take us back to the 90s. Take us uh, back. Yeah, duh, Phil and I, before you got <laughs> I've got, got on, my 90s tank top on right gotcha. now. We, so uh, I'm, Phil, I'm maybe we are going to talk about CD-ROMs. Um, yes. <laughs> so uh, I want to, let's go back in time then. Let's go back to 1995. Um, you know, it was a different time. I'm not sure what was number one on the uh, charts then. Um, I know Aqua. I saw Aqua the sign. Boys, the to, men. boys to men. Something boys to men. Um, you sure. know, I saw yeah. the sign and it opened up my yeah. mind, that kind of thing. <laughs> and um, I'd originally gone to school for photojournalism. You know, I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to do that. But as digital technology was coming along, nobody was sure you know, what the career path for photographers was looking like. And at the time I was spending a lot of my time in the computer labs talking on IRC. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, this, that, the other thing. And then a couple of people pointed out to me and said, um, Alan, you spend all your time on VT100 terminals talking on IRC to people. Maybe you should go into computers. (laughs) And so it was at the dawn of the internet and I got very you know, once I discovered the World Wide Web, I just kind of fell in love and I said, I want to do that. And I mean, it's really hard to put that into context today, I realized, because it's just the idea that you could put a file on a computer and anyone could read it anywhere and there were no barriers to publication. You know, that felt like uh, that felt mm-hmm. like magic. And it was like, I don't know what I want to do with that, but I want to do something like that. Oh, I have to learn how to program to do that. Oh, I know how to program. I will do that. So I always had an interest in web publishing and publishing online and writing online. And, you know, personal homepages became blogs. And I was always trying to, you know, I had a technical blog for a while. If you go to, you know, alanstorm.com and look at the archives there, I've been writing online since about 
2003. But, you know, the thing was, I was having trouble finding my niche. I was having trouble finding, you know, what's something I can write about that people are going to actually mm. read about. Okay, so let's flash forward a bunch of years. You know, I spent a bunch of time in my career. You know, I started making, as I was talking to Phil earlier, uh, CD-ROMs, Macromedia Director, Lingo, uh, Puppet Sprite. I'm sure like five people understand what I'm talking about there, and it was a glorious time. And I am not one, not of, those one of those five, five people. people. I mean, <laughs> Macromedia. Lingo and Puppet Sprite is the name of my first band that I was in. Nice. Was nice. Lingo band. Puppet Sprite. Very nice. <laughs> That was a great '90s band. That was a great '90s. But band. I quickly, I quickly at these agencies, I kind of became the web guy just because I was so interested in doing it. Right. Um, so this was on the East Coast, uh, Rochester, New York, a kind of uh, small city. Uh, Kodak was the big employer there, but you know, as Kodak's fortunes were falling, you know, the economy in the area was falling. So, you know, the companies I was working for, we weren't doing the most sophisticated stuff, but. You know, I was always game for whatever needed to be done, and I was a decent programmer, and I could figure this stuff out. So I started doing AJAX, DHTML stuff before it had the AJAX name. And basically, my whole thing has always been, you know, you need to make a computer do something. I can help you make that computer do something, and I will do whatever I need to to do that. So I fell into this, you know, early front-end developer role back when web standards meant uh, XHTML transitional 1.0, you know, the best doc type <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Not, it is. not really. Um, An oldie but a good year. And then, um, so I was able to do that for a while, but the thing is front-end technology was developing to the point where it used to be you needed a technical person who had a little bit of a design sense and could help the designer translate their designs. But, you know, around 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, the front end tools were coming along far enough where you could be a designer who knew how to code a little bit. And so I was quickly finding, you know, this is maybe isn't going to be the right thing for me. And I was working at an agency one day. And again, you know, in addition to doing all the front-end development work and stuff like that, you know, I've always been interested in back-end programming. And again, whatever it took to get the job done. And mm -hmm. the lead developer at the agency said, so we're taking on our first e-commerce project. Have you heard of this thing called Magento? And I'm like, no. And they said, would you like to figure it out for us? And I was like, can't be much harder than WordPress. Sure. And... <laughs> <laughs> nice that was my first magento i'll just project. check out this documentation right here and, and uh, you know like a lot of people's first magento projects the uh you know it wasn't a disaster but it was much more difficult than we expected it to be in part because it was the lack of documentation right. but when i was looking at the back end code it's like on one hand it's like i haven't seen any i've ever seen anything that looks like this before but on the other hand i'm like there is a structure here. This does make sense. The people who are doing this are doing this for a reason. And it was like, all of a sudden I had, you know, this blog I was writing on. Well, I could start writing about um, Magento on my website and start writing about the lessons I've learned. I mean, those first articles are literally me sitting down and being like, I need to figure out how this works. I'm going to spit out of my brain, my exact learning process. And maybe that will help someone. And that's kind of how it all started for me. So that's my how I got into Magento story. Wow. Do you do you feel like um, because you know the articles you've written, like you you explain things, yet you have a way of uh, making things understandable that for other people are just very very uh, hard hard to understand. Do you do you find that 
Like, do you feel like you learn sort of like faster than other people or do you feel like you struggle with it just as much as everybody else? And that's what enables you to really break things down into such, into such, you know, kind of good detail. Hmm. That is a good question. And you know, like they like to say on stage at Magento, that's a great question. Now give me some time to vamp and think of a good answer to that. Because <laughs> I'm sure, you know, everybody would think like, man, you must, be, you know, you know, I mean, uh, you must just blaze through it so quickly that you have extra time to write well, documentation. Now that, that is a very easy question. No, you know, I do not blaze through it in easy time. Um, right. It used, I have gotten much better at it over the years. And I think the kind of the biggest barrier a lot of people have, myself included when I started was, you look at it, you think it should be easy. It's not easy. You get frustrated. You flip over a table and you leave. You know, the biggest thing I tell people when they're trying to learn is, look, this is hard stuff. You know, you do need to kind of take a step back and realize that maybe it's not going to make sense to you the way you think it does. And once you do that, once you accept that you don't understand it, then you can start to sit down and actually go through and you know, kind of line by line, look at what the code does. And I mean, the way I work is, you know, I have these giant yellow pads of paper and sometimes I sit down and just write out in English what each line of code is doing. And then the system starts to make sense to me. And then once that makes sense Mm -hmm. to me, I go, okay, what have I learned? Let's see if I can actually make this do something. Okay. I've made it actually do something. Now let me explain what it is I've actually done for somebody. I write that out. And then once I do that, let's go back to that article and do exactly what the article said. And, oh, whoops, actually, I forgot this important part. Or, oh, whoops, I forgot that part. So it's as much um, careful editing as anything else. Well, editing of the technical content, uh, editing on the typos and the grammar, you know, I could probably use some help on. But the technical content, you know, I always feel is there and solid and the most important part. Yeah. So I I actually think it comes down to mindfulness. Um, It seems like you... You're very mindful about the way that you you approach it, and doesn't seem like you approach things very haphazardly. You're pretty methodical, and and uh, I think that comes across in your writing. It's very intentional. Um, <clears throat> I also, I one of the things I've always really appreciated about the way that you um, your approach is there's a little bit of you that kind of comes out in in that, but not not enough to give me an opinion or or sway my opinion or for me to read into what your opinion of the system might be. I think you might say something to the effect of, you know, I'm not sure why they decided to do it this way, but this is how it's done. That, that doesn't come across with any sort of, you know, you don't come across as a fanboy. You're not coming off with vitriol. It's, 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 you're just stating the facts. And uh, I think that's kind of refreshing. And it's, uh, I think it's probably the reason why you're, you're fairly successful is uh, your approach is, is kind of unbiased. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a huge fan, by the way, of, of your book. Um, uh, the no frills layout. Uh, uh, yes. That, that, I mean, that I if a there's story. a seminal work, um, I, that is the seminal work. And I would say, you know, I've, I've introduced dozens of, of uh, developers that I've hired, you know, to Magento layout by just saying, Hey, like, spend the next week and just read this book. Like <laughs> that's all I want you to do. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I really see that. And I think that uh, I can say personally that, you know, I wouldn't be where I am in my career if, if I hadn't used uh, something that I found on Google written by you, whether it's on stack overflow or on your blog. 
um, to kind of help me get over that hurdle. So yeah. I personally thank you. I'm sure a lot. Oh man. So, yeah. It goes out saying, I have to say, so no, for the no frills layout book. I remember when I was very first jumping into Magento, whatever it was three and a half, four years ago. And, um, I was literally trying to figure out how to put a custom button on a product page. And I spent, I ended up spending a total of like 24 hours or something on it. And uh, the first few hours I jumped in and I got totally confused. I did some Googling. I found the book, the no frills layout. I bought it and I wasn't, you know, like these days, if I find something interesting, I maybe just buy it just for the sake of it. But back then, I don't think I'd ever bought an ebook before. It just wasn't something I did. Like I just, but I, yeah, I really wanted to dive in. I really wanted to understand it. And uh, I just, I got it. And I remember I, I don't know, I sent an email, a thank you email back or something like that. And he replied and I was like, oh, he replied. And um, I, I read the email, I read the book, like, you know, all the way through. And then I, then I finally figured out how to do the button and I all in, I was like 24 hours in, including like reading the book. And uh, it, so it was, it was uh it was difficult, but that was that was definitely a huge huge help. Um, I, I I was going to ask you, Alan, what what made you decide to sort of bifurcate your your uh, your educational approach into Stack Overflow um, and not just focus solely on your blog? Um, if mm-hmm. I recall, you have tens of thousands of points on Stack Overflow for the Magento tag. Um, so my, you know, I would say that might be the first place that I recognized you from before I found your blog, uh, what made you invest all that time on Stack Overflow? Okay, well, first off, uh, regarding what you said about No Frills Magento Layout, thank you both very much. Uh, that's very nice of you to say. And, you know, I always like hearing that stuff has been able to help people. Because sometimes I'm just sitting here at this computer, you know, typing in, you know, I sell the book, but then you don't hear back from customers and you're sort of like, did they buy the book and they hate it? And they just haven't bothered <laughs> trying to get a refund? But so knowing that it actually helps people, that's always great to hear. And, you know, I'm glad I could help yeah. you to kind of more reach your potential and help move that uh, some of the cruft of Magento out of the way for you. Yeah. Thank Back you. to your question, Phil, about Stack Overflow. Um, you said something earlier about my writing style and kind of the approach I take. Uh, one of the bigger influences, I think, on my writing has been a blog called Joel on Software. Um, I don't know if you two are yeah. familiar with it. Um, Joel yeah. Spolsky, mm-hmm. he's Joel Spolsky. a yeah. New York City-based uh, software business person. He worked at Microsoft for a long time on the original Excel team. And reading about software on his website and his blog back in the day were very influential in how I think about software and how I think about software and business. And so around the time where I was kind of, I'd been at these agency jobs, I'd been the jack of all trades, you know, I'd been doing this stuff for a while and I was trying to figure out what was next for my career. Uh, Joel and uh, I believe it was Jeff Atwood, they kind of, they launched this Stack Overflow site and Stack Overflow, for whatever reason, it just, the way they approached that, I've been doing stuff like Stack Overflow for many, many years, but on message boards. Uh, There was this very old message board, a bunch of internet pals and I were on for a long time where we'd always ask each other, you know, web design and CSS questions. And so Stack Overflow, it was like that, but like the, it seemed like the entire world was on there. And, you know, Stack Overflow was also this place where, you know, like anyone, I suffered from uh, a thing the kids call imposter syndrome these days. It's like, am I any good at this? I don't know. You know, I have all these weird concerns about, well, I want to do this, but it seems like that's wrong and I don't have anybody to ask. 
and maybe I'm awful and maybe I should just go get a job at the post office. Being able to be on <laughs> or in photojournalism. <laughs> I love that that's the alternative is to go work post office. office. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes, God bless the post office. <laughs> So being able to answer people's questions on Stack Overflow and actually being able to help them get done what they needed to get done, it made me start to realize, hey, I actually do know this stuff a little bit better than I know. And the thing is, the sort of developer I am doesn't always mesh well being an agency employee because I'm sort of the person who wants Mm -hmm. to wander off and get down under the hood and figure out how everything is working. Whereas I'm sure you both know when you're working for an agency, you don't always have that luxury. So again, that kind of fed into my imposter syndrome of like, you know, everyone is telling me uh, you shouldn't, don't waste time on that. You don't need to know that, you know, cut these corners here. We need to get this out there. And, you know, I just thought maybe the problem was me. So being able to be on Stack Overflow and get that feedback and then being able to ask my questions like, you know, is this metaprogramming a good or bad thing? And then realize Everybody has a different opinion on it. There is no great opinion on it. Oh, I was Mm -hmm. holding back for, you know, all the wrong reasons. So Stack Overflow, you know, has been a great boon to my career. And Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be where I am without it. And that's why I continue to be so active on there today. And, you know, again, just from a practical standpoint, um, it doesn't drive a lot of traffic to me. But, you know, I do see, you know, a number of referrals come through where people discover me through those answers and they end up buying my products. And so it's kind of this holistic, small business, hippy dippy thing that's going on there. So it works for me. Omnichannel. Is that what what Omnichannel is? That's what Omnichannel is. Oh. It's my, it got my Stack Overflow channel. That's a, <laughs> oh, I'll need to uh, that's, allow me to reparse all those meetings where I've heard that thrown about and haven't been sure what people are talking about. <laughs> they were talking about you, Joel Spolsky. I mean, you didn't you didn't know that? That's the post that's, office. Uh, that's um, do uh, do you, speaking of like 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 leads and stuff like that? Do you just get like a flood of emails and leads and stuff? I mean, you must get a ton of traffic to your site. Do you just get an uncontrollable fire hose of information flowing at you from from the website all the time? I would describe it more as a garden hose as opposed to a fire hose. Um, But it is, you know, it's the number one, you know, that's people find me through my website and it very often does produce leads and it does produce uh, business opportunities for me. It also produces sales to my products. One of the reasons I decided to release a commercial product you know, like Commerce Bug was the fact that I looked at my website traffic and I'm like, you know, if I could turn 1% of these people into paying customers, um, I might have a little thing that could allow me to not panic so much between uh, freelance and c- consulting gigs. Yeah. So it's a garden, like I said, it's a garden hose. And there's also some chaff in there. You know, there are folks who are struggling with something and, you know, they'll send me questions and I try to answer as best I can, but I usually refer them to Stack Overflow because it's better to ask the world than ask me individually. And, you know, you get some very strange and cryptic emails from people sometimes like, it doesn't work, help. Like literally, (laughs) that's all it said. No subject line, just... And the thing is, though, you need, I need to approach that, you know, part of you wants to ignore that or part of you wants to be like, um, are you high? But as a business person, I need to be like, is this someone who downloaded an extension of mine and doesn't work? Is this somebody who 
found my email address. Some, you know, what's the reason this person is emailing me? So I always try to, you know, the people who email me, I always try to give them a response. I always try to be friendly about it. But, you know, it's also yeah. email is kind of like saying to the world, you know, to a billion people, hey, talk to me whenever you want. So I really yeah. have to be careful about setting barriers like that on there. So I'm always happy yeah. to respond to somebody who's, you know, bought a copy of No Frills Magento Layout and wanted to thank me because they were able to put a button on a page. So I'll, you know, I'll always say, oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Or I'm glad I was able to help. Or yeah. maybe you should try this. Or here's how I would think about that. Maybe go off to Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange to help it. Or yeah. I would mm-hmm. love to help you with your problem. What's your budget and time frame look like? You know, those yeah. kind of questions. And that can help weed out the people who are good business leads and also leave everyone with a good impression. So right. that's my goal. Uh, I'm better at it some days than others because, you know, some days, you know, you get a certain kind of business entrepreneur who is trying to sell you on some great idea. And then you ask them what their budget is and they're like, oh, meow, meow, meow. Once we launch, we will be. And, you know, as a younger person, it's a great opportunity. You'll get exposure. Yeah. And as a younger person, you're like, I don't know. It's a chance to do this. I should maybe do that. You know, let me tell all the young people listening. Don't do that. Or if you are going to go work for somebody for free, make sure it's what you want to be doing and that the Mm -hmm. work itself is the reward. And that's what I would say about that. Totally. Yeah. How many emails do you get per day? You get like, um, I would say I get enough. (laughs) Okay. You don't want to get more. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of advice to, to younger people or people that are starting out. And, you know, Phil was asking, how do you decide between the, the time you allocate to Stack Overflow and to your blog and things like that? What would you recommend to somebody that's starting out and they're saying, hey, I want to find out, you know, the best way to kind of monetize my time, whether that's consulting, whether that's maybe trying to sell a book, whether it's selling an extension or some combination thereof. Um, how would you how would you suggest that they think about that as far as where to spend time on you know writing for Stack Overflow, writing for their own blog, or maybe writing a book or all three, some combination thereof? Um, how would you how would you recommend that people think about that? Uh, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but you know, for somebody young just getting started out, I would actually recommend you maybe try and find a job somewhere. And kind of look at how the business you're working for, how it operates and try to understand what your role in the business is and then try to see the larger picture. Because, I mean, to get started out doing this stuff independently, I mean, it. I frankly wouldn't know how someone would start doing that today. I feel like I came across at a very lucky time where there was Mm -hmm. a lot less noise, where there was a lot less um, fight for attention. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the audience I have right now, but, you know, to get online and try and attract attention right now is almost impossible. So mm-hmm. if you're starting mm-hmm. out, I would say, look at what you want to do. Look for companies doing that sort of thing. Maybe contribute to some open source projects. And I'm kind of yeah. thinking from this point of view of a programmer and, you know, get that job, you know learn to do a good job at it, but also pay attention to what the rest of the business is doing. And you might have to push a little bit to do that. You know, uh, the idea of a programmer that actually wants to learn a little bit about how business works or, you know, learn what their actual role and job is or learn what is actually involved in managing programmers, you might be surprised to find you get a little bit of pushback, but it's worth pushing through and worth using the relative safety of a company and a job and a steady paycheck to kind of figure out how that stuff will work. And then 
you know, I bet you if you do that for a little bit, you'll start to find you can prioritize your own time and you can start to figure out, oh, what is the right thing? You know, what is the right thing to pay attention to on Stack Overflow? How can I find more attention in my industry and my career? You know, I would also recommend getting involved in user groups and getting involved with people local in your community who are also doing the same thing. So right. I don't know if that answers your question, well, I, but that's everything that comes to mind when you ask it. It sounds like you're telling, uh, like your advice in general is uh, you found a niche that was underserved and you only recognized it because of the wealth of experience that you had um, elsewhere. And you felt like that you, your voice would be, uh, your voice was needed. Uh, and so that happened to be Magento. And now to some degree, there's a bat, there's a cacophony of, voices in the Magento space and maybe Magento doesn't need your voice right now. Maybe something else does and take some time to, 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 to plot out what that might be and get some experience and, you know, go record 10 episodes and come back to me. Yeah. Something uh, like get, that. Get a few episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what about just in terms of blogging versus stack overflow? Let's somebody, let's say somebody is, you know, already been in a job for a few years and they're kind of comfortable there and they're, maybe wanting to, you know, build their kind of quote personal brand or build their identity in, the, in an industry. Um, do you have a, like a split, like a 50, 50 or a 30, 70 split, or you kind of just, you kind of just free you kind of just do it free form. 42.756% of this. And then uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend a split and I would also definitely recommend, and again, it's old fashioned and this might be old guy talking to you. I would recommend your own blog and I would recommend your own website, whatever you use to publish on that URL, you know, you might use WordPress, Mm -hmm. you might even use Tumblr and just point your own domain name at that, but having your own domain name, making sure you can get at your content, making sure that you have a place that is yours online. That I feel like is a very important thing and still will always be a very important thing, especially for someone who's looking to do kind of more the small bootstrapped uh, entrepreneurship uh, on the side, as opposed to somebody who's looking to kind of play in the larger startup game world. Because right now there are all these systems out there who are saying like, oh, come publish on Medium and, you know, publish here and we'll help you monetize your content. We'll help you do this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, a lot of those services offer great writing experiences and can get you a lot of traffic. But having a place that is Mm -hmm. yours, having a place that you own, that you can always point people towards, that you can do whatever you want with, I still feel that's very important. So definitely spend at least half your time doing your own thing. And then, you know, if you're a programmer getting involved on Stack Overflow, and again, especially for programmers, I would say find an open source project that you like, that you use, that your contributions can help you and the rest of the community. And that's a great way to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm, I'm not so into open source. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I, I, you oh. know what I'm going to do? I, I, if I can't get my voice heard, I'm just going to build a wall and make Shopify build pay for it. Build a wall That's and make I'm Shopify pay for it. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking, about, uh, you're talking about the folks. civics election that will be happening soon in the United States of America. Exactly. Ah, I see. <laughs> exactly. Can you believe what that one guy or you see what I woman there? said about that other guy or woman? That was... That was unbelievable. I am outraged. Scandalous. Scandalous and outrageous. We have to make this podcast as dated as possible when you go back. Gotcha. I mean, I really think the Bull Moose Party is going to uh, really push through and become a force in American (laughs) politics. (laughs) Moose and squirrel. Um, Um, So, uh, 
So well, uh, uh, before we move off the business, because your business really does re- revolve ro- a lot around, you know, training, uh, well, training materials, I guess how I look at it. Um, I, I, I look at the book and, and Commerce Bug as, as sort of a fulfilling a very specific purpose. Um, could you give us a little bit of a uh, an overview of, you know, how, how, you know, basically how you run your business and the kind of consulting? That um, you yeah, sure. Uh, you know, as far as the consulting goes, you know, these days I'm not doing a lot of, you know, I don't pitch myself as a full service person. I'm not going to build your Magento store and maintain it for you. So a lot of it ends up being, you know, a lot of troubleshooting, a lot of helping people scale their Magento systems, a lot of helping companies work and interact with agencies that are helping them build their Magento system. Basically, when people come to me, what I say to them is, you know, I am a software developer specializes in PHP and Magento. I have a wealth of technical experience I can apply to your problem. I will charge you a fixed rate over time for my involvement on your project. So let's see if we can figure out a way that that fixed rate over time makes business sense to work on your project. And, you know, a lot of times I'm not the right fit for somebody. So I will try to pass that along to somebody else. But Often enough, people come along and can pay my rates and I can help them solve a specific business need they have with their Magento system or their PHP system or whatever it is my skills can help them with. And I will work that project usually for about a month, month and a half, maybe a little bit at the end working time materials to you know help them patch things off and hand things off to an internal team. And I will do that for a while. And then I will reach this near point of burnout and I will take a week or two off. And during that week or two, I might Mm. be more active on Stack Overflow. I might be writing some articles. I might be adding features to Commerce Bug. I might be scheming new ideas, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, more emails come in. I try to find the next consulting engagement. I keep going and keep going until the right fit comes along. And then I jump on that again. I mean, it's an interesting model and the product revenue plays a huge part of that. Like for a lot of freelancers, Mm -hmm. you know, being an independent freelancer is much, much harder than you might think from the outside. You hear people talking mm-hmm. about their successes online all the time, but what people aren't talking about is the failures. Or yeah. what they aren't talking about is more that middle ground where they start freelancing, but they have one big client, and then that big client offers them a job. I mean, that tends to be mm-hmm. the route for most people. <laughs> I'm kind of more interested yeah. in working on a variety of projects with a variety of different people and, you know, being able to continue to develop my software, technical and programming skills. And right now, this model of big giant consulting project, take a breather, work on my products, next giant consulting project, take a breather, work on my project tends to work out. And then I kind of have a third leg of revenue for my stool, which is, you know, very often a small business will come to me with a problem. Oh, Varnish all of a sudden started crashing on our server. And, you know, this is a small business, not making a lot of money. Maybe Magento isn't even the right platform for them. If they can come up with a fixed budget number, even if it's like super duper small, if I have the time, I try to do those small projects just so I can kind of stay in the head of what a small merchant working with Magento is like. And also to kind of get experience with maybe a part of the Magento system I haven't seen before. So I try to do those when I can. Is there any, yeah? Is there any part of the Magento system you haven't seen before by now? Uh, you know, I always think the answer to that is no, and then somebody comes to me with a problem, and the answer turns out to be yes. Mage Talk is brought to you in part by MageMail. MageMail is the triggered email app for Magento. You can be up and running in minutes, and there's a no-risk-free trial. 
Get your customers coming back to your website. You can start today by visiting MageMail online at magemail.co. Never, never ceases to amaze me the stuff that exists in Magento that I didn't know was there. I remember one time Alan asked a question on, I don't know if it was Twitter or Stack Overflow or something. It was about, um, what was that that module that uh, had like three, we, the we module? And, he, and, and, and you had a specific question about version 1.4 or what version was it created in or something like that. And I went and I was like, I'm going to answer a question for Alan. And I went and I searched and I searched and I found it and I answered him and he's like, Hey, thanks. And I was like, yes. You know, that was like my, my big victory. Um, Careful. Kaylin, your, your fanboy is showing a little bit. I'm fanboying a little bit hard. I know you're going to have to forgive me. I'm going to, I'm going to ease off of it a little bit as we go here. I want to take one thing that Alan said, which is, you know, maybe Magento is not right for that, that person. Um, which if you if you are listening to these episodes in chronological order, it'd be the episode right before this one, uh, where I think Kaylin, you were defending that uh, there is no such thing as Magento is not right for that person. No, no. If you're on Magento, if you're already on Magento, then Magento must be right for you. I think is what you were trying to uh, kind of. I mean, kind of. I mean, it, it was it was. I don't know. If that's necessarily true. There probably are people that are there for the wrong reasons, but. Uh, Anyway, we would probably don't need to rehash. You were talking about a merchant that was on M1. They were thinking about going to M2. And you were saying, well, maybe N1 isn't right for you. I think I would say this. If somebody's been on no, Magento I, 1. Sorry, you're, you, just to re, just because you almost rehashed the whole thing. <laughs> the person's major concern was the new extensions were costing more money for M2. Yeah. So they, they were like, I don't want to spend more money than I did for M1. And my my reaction was, if you don't want to spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on on the thing that brings money into your business, then maybe Magento is not the right thing for you because you're going to just continue to do the thing yeah. that you hate over and over and over. Again. Well, yeah, I, I think I think the way and for some reason I was under the impression that particular person had been on Magento for a while. So I think I'd probably say is if somebody's has their business running on Magento and they've been on it for a while, whatever that means, if that's a year or something like that. I think it's probably safe to say that Magento is right for them. If somebody maybe just installed it two weeks ago, they don't know what they're doing. They don't even know that they should maybe be on Shopify. Then yeah, maybe it's not a fit for them. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know exactly how that was related. Shopify won't even be a won't even be a factor once we build the wall. Once I'm, I'm pretty concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned about. And they're going to the pay for it. Here, they're going to pay for it. So they're going to pay. It's, they're going to pay really, for the wall. It's really not. Um, so, Alan, kind of getting back to, we forgot that you were here for a minute. You're still here. Um, <laughs> getting back to, <laughs> getting back to things. I I know that you uh, just released a new version of Commerce Bug. Um, I'm a proud owner of the original Commerce Bug. Um, As am V1. I. Yeah. Uh, what was your What was your experience like building out Commerce Bug for M2? Uh, that's been a kind of long, strange journey on that one. Um, you know, years ago, I mean, we all know Magento 2 has been sort of a long time coming, and there are really sort of two versions right. of Magento 2. There's the Magento 2 that they were working on, you know, a while ago, and then they stopped working on it. And then I guess once internally, they realized the company was going to split and they were going to try and break off, this new initiative started. So early on, I tried to port Commerce Bug 1 over to the very early, you couldn't even call them alpha versions of Magento 2 that they were releasing, sort of those sprint-based releases. Right. And I quickly found that it was just 
too hard keeping up with what the Magento core team was doing with the unreleased version of Magento 2 to kind of keep Commerce Bug up to date with that. So I kind of pulled back on version two and I, you know, the version that would work with Magento 2. And I kind of held off for a little bit until a lot of that stabilized. And then as far as like building it again, I sort of decided to approach it from a ground up approach. I mean, I would take all the knowledge I had about how Magento systems work internally and conceptually, a lot of that is still there in Magento too, but the details have all changed. So part of me building out a new version of Commerce Bug was also for me to kind of figure out, oh, how are we doing things in Magento too? What has changed? And, you know, there's been a lot of false starts, um, a lot of, you know, it took me a lot longer than I thought it would. And then there's the difficulty, and this is still a difficulty I think we're facing in, is how do I package this extension? How am I going to sell it? Am I going to bring it to whatever this new marketplace is? How do you install Magento 2 itself? You know, that's kind of been the more interesting thing for me, trying to develop a new extension for Magento 2, is how that's going to play out and what that's going to look like in the future. Hmm. Yeah. And and, uh, so you you wrote an open letter, um, an open letter to Magento's leaders where you basically said, "Hey guys, Magento two needs to be easier to install, <laughs> among among other things, um, uh, to install and even just to kind of use and, and get started with." How would you um, how would you compare Magento one and Magento two in like let's say the very early days um, where things the cement wasn't quite dry yet, and you know you've spelled out some of the issues you see with M two. How would you sort of compare? I mean, it was a different company then. It was a tiny, you know, it was just starting. It wasn't the massive corporation that it is now. So expectations are probably different now than they were then. But how would you compare M1 and M2? Well, I mean, that's a little bit hard because I don't think I was involved at the earliest, earliest days of Magento 1. I think I came around, I want to say around 1.1 or 1.2. So it's hard for me to compare to what those first uh, beta early versions when they were just throwing it over the wall worked like. Um, I think the biggest version right now between Magento 1 and Magento 2, though, is Magento 1. um, For those who don't know, there was a company called Varian that uh, Roy Rubin and Yoav... uh, Oh, let me hope I gave it it's right. Kuntzer, Kuttner. Kuttner. Ah, Kuttner. I got it wrong. Yeah. Sorry, Yoav. Okay. They started this company named Varian, where they were doing, as I understand it, um, open source con- e-commerce stores with OS Commerce, which was a early PHP system. And OS Commerce, you know, it was good for what it did, but it was limited. So they started developing this software internally and actually using it for client consulting projects. And these were your typical mm-hmm. e-commerce builds. It's my understanding that Magento 2 is sort of similar, except that instead of doing out, you know, small to medium sized builds for, you know, those kind of companies, Magento 2 is very focused on these larger enterprise systems and the code that comes out of it reflects that. So there's a similar kind of product development cycle, whereas they're both kind of using it to build out these systems for these other people, but the sort of people they're building it out for, you know, Magento is clearly going after an entirely new market with this larger, you know, sort of what people like to call enterprise-based consulting. And, you know, the software reflects that right now. And what that means is the software is well-suited for somebody who knows it top to bottom and wants to work with a very large team and a very corporate environment on things. But it 
isn't as well suited right now for a small merchant who just wants to get started with a store or a small development shop who just wants to get started with a store. And I will say, I think Magento is doing the right thing there. I mean, something I think we forget about the original Magento was part of why they sold to eBay was, you know, the company was, it had this massive growth, but then was having trouble keeping up. And so I love the original Magento and I love the product that Roy and Yo have built, but they kind of reached the end of the line with it and had to sell to eBay if they wanted to continue to push forward their vision. And then once you're inside Mm -hmm. eBay, you know, you, a lot of problems go away. You're less concerned about things like payroll. You're less concerned about keeping the business afloat day to day, and you can work on these larger strategic visions. That Magento is broken off from that larger parent company right now. That means all of a sudden they're a company again, and they have to start answering to, you know, their private equity firm. And, you know, they have to make their payroll. They have to pay their people. And I think it is a very smart move by the leaders to kind of go after these larger enterprise-based consulting stuff to keep both Magento itself afloat as well as the partner agencies afloat and give them new markets. What my concern is that, you know, while they're doing that, the software itself becomes much harder for us to use. And I hope the next year we're going to start to see some solidification around the old Magento of just being able to throw it on a server, have it running, getting started, and making it a suitable tool for small business again. And that's part of why I wrote that open letter, because that's sort of the Magento I want to see succeed and that I want to see thrive. Yeah. No, it's interesting. A buddy of mine who I, you know, I think replied on Twitter and said, yeah, he totally agreed. He um, has uh, works for a pretty big store, a pretty big Magento store. And he said that, um, you know, the owner of the store, the CEO, you know, actually had initially installed Magento himself. You know, he's not super techie, a little bit techie. But if he hadn't have been able to do that in that early initial form years ago, they probably wouldn't have ever gotten on a Magento. And now, you know, they're in a much more sophisticated Magento environment, obviously. But having that ability to get in on the ground floor with a simple install um, has lots of uh, kind of unforeseen consequences. You wouldn't necessarily think about all the positive impacts that that has, even as businesses do get bigger. And you move kind of into the enterprise. Right. At the risk of um, falling into too right. much business speak, it's a halo effect. It's where you do this thing. It doesn't yeah. have a direct impact on your sales, but it creates this halo of goodwill and these other good side effects that end up helping your business in the long term. And I think that those small and medium sized businesses and you know developers who aren't so corporate focused I think they're the ones who are really driving forward the open source side of Magento and the people who are putting things online and are spending time on Stack Overflow that make the platform better and more useful. And I think it would be unfortunate if, you know, Magento ended up losing that. I don't think it would spell disaster for the company. And that's part of the tricky part. You know, the folks running Magento are very smart. They're taking care of their business and Magento is going to be successful for a long time to come. It's just that that sort of success can often hide these, you know, larger flaws that might mean a certain kind of customer can't use Magento anymore. And if they're really successful at the top, it's like, well, people are complaining about it, but, you know, money's coming in. So why worry about it? That's kind of why I feel that, you know, as not exactly outsiders, but not people working at the company, that it's reasonable and appropriate for us to kind of bring constructive criticism forward and let, you know, Magento Inc. know, hey, this isn't working for us. We need something better here. And to kind of keep that pressure on a little bit and to, you know, again, 
you know, like I think Phil said earlier, very complimentarily about me, you know, be mindful about it, accept that Magento is going to do what Magento is going to do, but, you know, to continue to press, to continue to be professional about it. But also when something isn't getting done, you know, say, hey, this isn't getting done. Are you guys going to fix this? Or is this something we as the community need to do? And I mean, to their credit, I already see Magento making some of the technical changes that would make the stuff I'm talking about a lot easier. Like um, earlier, they were kind of trying to control file permissions on the application level. And that would make sense if you were deploying into a known system where you were controlling everything. But that's not how open source Magento works. And they have backed off that. They're not trying to control permissions on the application level now. They've put that back in the hand of the system admins. And I think that's a good positive sign. And also I know, I think it was, and I apologize if I get this wrong, Joshua Warren said at Imagine this year, there's going to be a part Dockathon, part Hackathon, where there's a team working on doing exactly what we want Magento to be, where you can install this archive, upload it to a quality shared host and have a system that's running and working and doesn't you know, throw a bunch of PHP and JavaScript errors at you. And it's stuff like that. Right. I definitely think this is a solvable problem. And so hopefully, touch wood, over the next year or so, we're going to start to see Magento come back down now that they've got the business side more solidified. So that's kind of my thinking on that article and probably not going to have a lot more to say about it. I kind of said my piece and, you know, I've came here and said my piece and, you know, I hope the team gets behind it. And for what it's worth, it's great to see that commitment from Magento's leaders to open source and, you know, actual investment in open source. Cause honestly, Magento could have very easily gone the sugar CRM route, which would have been Magento 2 is going to be a completely cloud-based platform. We are not going to invest in our open source community anymore. You all can fork this version yeah. if you want to and do what you want to, but we're going to go our separate ways now. Right. And they're not doing right. that. Right. They released it open source when they had no reason to. So there's definitely a strategic vision and strategic support right. for open source. Now it's a matter of execution <laughs> and a matter of both the people inside and outside Magento getting to work on getting that working. And that's what I'm really hoping to see in the next year. And it's part of going to be, you know, what a lot of my work when I'm not working on a consulting project is going to be kind of more oriented towards that, both from helping smaller businesses use Magento and, you know, getting some more open source tooling around Magento. Like I have this uh, new command line framework in PHP called Pestle, which also happens to include a Magento Mm. code generation tool. And there were a lot of tools right. like this from Magento 1 that had a good start, but then kind of withered away. I'd really like to see Pestle become a tool like you get in Ruby on Rails or Artisan with Laravel, where this can be a tool that a developer can come in, use to generate a lot of that super Java-like boilerplate, and then get yeah. to work. Yeah. So. That's kind of what I see the next year for me going out, consulting on helping companies move their extension and themes to Magento 2. And then when I'm not working on that consulting, improving the tooling and everything, and also making improvement to Commerce Bug as well and experimenting with some new business models there. So, you know, I do think there's a bright future ahead for Magento. I would just like there to be a small course correction now that, you know, they've been out, they spun off the company. Now it's time to come back and, you know, get to work. Right. Yeah, Woo! and I, I really appreciate your I, your <laughs> that was great I, your perspective. I on love it. it. Can you hear me, Phil? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, really, I really, I'm just trying to talk over you. Oh Go yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no I was saying I really appreciate your perspective on. It. I mean, you bring a unique perspective where 
you, you really, and I've seen this in your writing and other things, you really have a way of seeing the business through the business's eyes a little bit, whereas so much of the time it can be easy to kind of lob shots over at them and to complain without really thinking it through. But you've done a lot already with Magento 2, building your uh, extension and digging in and writing about it. And the critiques you're bringing, you know, you, you have a really good understanding of some of the forces that they're facing. And so you bring a very thoughtful critique, I think, which I think is very valuable. Well, you know, um, I kind of think, I, just, yeah. I think you really have, that has to be the approach you have if you want to have a long-term uh, career in this stuff. You know, it's one thing when you're, you know, I was an obnoxious 20-year-old like everyone at one point. But as you get a little bit older and you start to get a little bit more experience, you really start to see that, you know, oh, these aren't big evil companies doing things. They're just people. They're people trying to make the best decisions they have with the information and the resources they have at that time. And, you know, if there's, you know, any way I could describe my approach to both the technology and as well as business. It's sort of a empathy driven development, have empathy for the people who are building these systems and these businesses, try to understand their position. You don't always have to agree with it. Like, you know, I will say personally, I'm not a fan of the way Magento 2 was coded. It's not the sort of system I like to work in. I think there's a lot of extra boilerplate code that's not needed. I think it's made more complicated than it often needs to be. And the complications, they solve a particular problem of large teams working together, but they create a lot of other problems. So now I have a choice. I can put down my foot and say, your code is garbage. I'm not going to work with it. Or I can be like, okay, you've built it like that. (laughs) How can I bring my experience and how can I make this easier for people to work with? And, you know, I just think that's a mature attitude that if you want a long-term career in software development or really in anything... You know, you really, you know, hold on to your values, but you can't be a jerk about them. And you need to really, you know, Phil, you use mindful earlier. I'm going to throw out another Buddhist word, which is you need to have acceptance for the world as it is. And then figuring mm. out how you can fit into it. That's great. Phil, by the way. I and I would I say, jump, too, yeah. that uh, Mag- that uh, Magento themselves, I uh, to give them some credit, they are uh, in this particular, I, I don't know, I I've seen them uh, answer critics and I've seen them not answer critics. And in this case, they've, they've been uh, very responsive on uh, to you in this, in this particular um, in, in your critique. And I think it's because uh, the way you've approached it um, is again, it's, it, 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 it comes with a, uh, we, we need to be better because I want us to be better because I love us. You know, I, I, I make a living off of what we do uh, together. And I think as a community, we're better. Um, we can do better than this. And uh, other people that are working with this and make their livelihood on it also deserve uh, better. And to see so many people at Magento answer you directly from the top down, I mean, even Mark Lavelle got kind of weighted into the fray a bit. Um, that's not something you see uh, Magento doing these days. Magento has been pretty thoughtful about the way that they're uh, responding to criticism. And in many cases, they're not even bothering to respond. And in this case, they... They are, you know, I think they're at the ready to say, you know, hey, we, we hear your criticism. It's some, it's one we share, um, and you're going to see relief. But in the meantime, here's all, here's all our reasoning. Um, so I would say props to them in some way for not trying to sweep this under the rug. I think that they're they're hard at well, work, and we should trust. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, this new Magento that came out of eBay has definitely been far more communicative and. 
you know, far more straightforward about what they are and aren't doing. You know, there's a little bit of, right. you know, sometimes you get some corporatisms in their language and you do need to do a little bit of reading between the lines. But, you know, compared to probably what we'll come to think of as the wilderness years when they were just at eBay and, you know, were pitching out these wild ideas that sounded great, but had no solid um, implementation. You know, I'm thinking about things like the fabric. Right. You know, those days, <laughs> you know, it was sort of this wall of silence or this wall of being on message and on point. And, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way things are communicated these days, you know, and even the corporatees, you know, I understand it. You know, that's kind of the language that is used inside companies and between companies. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. people are doing the best they can to communicate what they're doing. And, you know, it's challenging for everyone. I mean, I don't think this is easy stuff. And, you know, anyone that can keep a company up and running and afloat and moving in this kind of crazy environment we're living in these days is, you know, my hat's right. off to you and uh, I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad I can kind of be a little remora fish that is uh, living in your wake and making a nice living. So that's kind of how I think about it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned um, uh, pestle and uh, pestle or pestle? Uh, it, you um, can pronounce it either way, but it's the kind of okay. the, basically um, this, you, you want to go deep nerd? Let's go deep nerd. Yeah, let's so, yeah. go you know semi-deep nerd. You know what yeah. a mortar and pestle is, right? Yeah. 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 Did you ever um, play Sierra online games back in the day? I don't know that I did. Uh, uh, well, there was this, okay, there was like, this game called... Um, deep nerd mode yeah. ejected. There was, this, uh, <laughs> there was this game called King's Quest, and one of the things you needed to do... Oh, yeah, I know King's, King's Quest, Quest 3, yeah. you would you were basically held as a slave of this wizard and when he would go away you would like steal his wizarding supplies and make these spells and so you had a mortar and pestle and you were using it to kind of help defeat the mage and so that's kind of where the name came from ah, that's good that's <laughs> really deep, deep nerd <laughs> deep nerd re-engaged so what um, uh what games so, did you play growing up if you don't mind me um asking and then we can get back to the serious business talk you know that's a great stuff. question i yeah i played some altered beast on sega genesis oh, i played that, some that street was the fighter one, 2 that was the one where they were like kind of <laughs> giant roid beasts and they had these little tiny heads yeah and then they turned into werewolves <laughs> yeah. yes oh i remember yeah. that that, yeah. Was, that was some good gaming there Kayla, we're, did you we're actually gonna have oh yeah sorry I was going to say, we're going to have a Street Fighter II uh, tournament at uh, Imagine in the Beige Mojo Lounge. They're going to have a Street Fighter II game set up, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna uh, go yep. to town on it. Which um, version of Street Fighter II? Oh, Turbo. What? Come That's, on now. We got to yeah. do regular Street Fighter II. That's the only one. That no, counts. Champion Edition? or I mean, there were like 30 editions of... Uh, there were the, a lot of um, editions. The right answer is Hyper Fighter, and um, that's the only thing you need. So, um, <laughs> just so you know, in the future, everybody has their own flavor that, that they like. It's it's not unlike uh, programming. Language. Yeah, everyone everyone um, is entitled to their wrong opinions. Definitely agree with that yeah. when it comes to video <laughs> games. <laughs> uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of pestle, so how is it different from you know you mentioned artisan? We've got N ninety eight Mage Run. We've got Magento's own command line tool where does it sit i know it does I, I believe it does some aggregation of different tools or some containing of different tools i don't quite know okay well how does it fit so there's two things about it um first off um i see it more as sort of a generic php command line framework and 
that's what's keeping me interested in it and keeping me working on it. One of my goals for Pestle is, and again, we're going to go deep nerd programming here now. So apologies to the business folks. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to see um, a PHP system that works a little bit like Python modules and Ruby modules with the namespaces. And so what I'm trying to do with Pestle is find a way to implement that in kind of the user land space. So you can import individual functions for modules as opposed to the sort of class-based universe that PHP has kind of come more to represent. And, you know, it's kind of the style at the time right now. So, you know, that's kind of my own flight of fancy. And, you know, like I said, there's a reason I work on my own because I like to pursue these esoteric programming topics in my spare time. As far as the Magento, now you don't need to know anything about that to use it as a Magento code generation tool. Um, As a Magento code generation tool, one of the challenges with Magento is you are always, in addition to having to create PHP files and code generations, you have to edit these XML files in place. And that can be a much trickier problem than you would think it would be to safely take an XML file in PHP that someone else has written modify it, and then write it back out. You know, that's a more dangerous thing. And what I've seen in most of the code generation tools is they avoid doing that. They don't try and do that. What I want with Pestle is basically for someone to be able to say, create me, I want someone to be able to say, I would like a controller with a view added to this module that already has a different controller and a different view. And for Pestle to be able to do that without anything breaking or without anyone having to create anything manually. And a lot of the okay. tools right now, you know, they do a good job at, they can create that first controller, but then if they, you try to do it again in the same module, it, you know, breaks that routes that XML, or you have to manually move this and do that. And so that's kind of, you know, my grander vision for the Magento code generation part is to kind of be something that can, from an end user point of view, just let you say in, you know, sort of plain broken English, PESL, generate controller and view, and it will generate the controller and view. And then again, the other approaches, thanks mm. to that kind of module-based approach I'm taking, the code looks a lot more functional and it's a lot more small little functions that do one job as opposed to giant class hierarchies that do different things. One of the challenges though, is I don't get to tap into a lot of the power of a symphony command line framework. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's Mm -hmm. just, you know, that's a choice I'm making. And, you know, part of what I want to do is learn how to make a great uh, command line framework, which is just, that's the kind of nerd I am. So that's a little bit about that project. And the other thing about it though, is, if somebody comes to Pestle and once they learn a little bit about, hey, when you if you are running the generate command, this generate command, and you look for this string, and then you're in this file, it is very easy to then get involved and just start writing simpler procedural based PHP to add your own commands or fix up commands that already exist there. So I'm trying to make it a bit more approachable for people who might not buy into the Mm. symphony version of the universe and want to contribute to a tool, you know, like mage run or the built-in tool in Magento. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, uh, that was a very thorough answer. Um, and, and then having done some Magento two myself, I, I find the, uh, it's, it's almost as if the, uh, uh, there's a mage, uh, like, or there's a Magento, uh, a CLI tool that does something similar. 
Um, of course, it, I, to my knowledge, it doesn't do any of the code generation right. portion. Um, but it, it it was almost as if they approached it saying, well, let's try to replace uh, another tool that the Magenta One you know community used called N98 Mage Run, which... I believe has been revved for, uh, you know, M2, but it was almost like, let's take that approach and let's try to build it out in, and, and kind of get, yeah, feature parity with what N98 Mage Run does. Uh, And then they stopped somewhere along the line. And now it's just, uh, you know, it's not artisan, um, which is, you know, in in the Laravel world is a, an extremely useful tool that does, you know, everything. Uh, Now it's really just used for, um, well, it's used for a very few things, one of which is to, you know, uh, recompile DI and static content. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know that it's much more useful for anything but that. So this is this is very needed. Um, and I personally like the approach, but I, you know, I've not gotten to play with it full transparency. I, I can't wait to use it. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's early days. And, you know, again, one of the reasons I came on this podcast was, you know, if, you know, if Python-like modules and namespaces, if that, you know, sings to your nerdy heart, you know, we would love to have you on board and helping out with the project. Or if you want to write some Magento mm-hmm. code generation commands or, you know, just get started in the Magento world helping out an open source project, you know, we would love to have you. And even if not, if you would just like to use the tool, users using the tools can help make it better. I've already started getting bug reports from people on, you know, little things not working or my documentation being wrong. And... You know, again, its focus for the Magento world is going to be primarily on that code generation. And, you know, instead of having to go and find an old Alan Storm article and copy this XML file and put this class file in here and change this name there, it kind of takes the grunt work out of doing a lot of the boilerplate Magento work. So you can kind of focus more on the business logic of your module. So that's what I'm doing with that. That's awesome. So, um, Commerce Bug 2, uh, we talked a little bit about how you started to build it for, for Magento 2, but go ahead and give us the plug. Uh, the basic plug is it's a programmer's uh, debugging tool, an in-browser IDE. Uh, Commerce Bug has, I can't remember the year I released it in, but it was the year of the first uh, developer's paradise in Majorca because, I don't know if you remember this, but the first developer's paradise was actually interrupted by a volcano. And only 14 people showed up. No, it was it was crazy. Ash cloud. Yeah, the right? ash cloud. Ash it cloud. was. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. we're gonna digress here a little bit, but um, it was my first trip to Europe, and you know, I don't. I'm not a big traveler. I don't like to travel. Um, I don't like being away from home. It's just kind of who I am. I Same do here, do man. it. Yeah. But it's yeah. Uh, you know, I love my city and I love being in it. And travel's great, but it also stresses me out a bunch. And so. Yeah. You know, it took me a lot of, you know, I'm going to go do this thing. It's the right thing for my career. I've been invited to speak. That's a great opportunity. I'm going to go do it. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, it's not like I'm going to get stranded <laughs> in Europe or anything, right? The day it's my plane like the day my plane lands is when that Icelandic volcano got bad enough that there was an ash cloud in the air and all flights were canceled. And it was like me, a bunch of folks from a Magento agency in Denver. And I apologize. I can't remember the name of your agency. If you want to. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was the unleaded group. Yep. And. Yep. Um, Phil has all the agencies on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there were like 11, 12, 13 people that showed up. And, you know, I was the only speaker that showed up. And I mean, we had a little mini conference, but, you know, it was pretty much 
hanging around a hotel for two or three days, hoping the ash cloud would clear up. And I remember giving everyone there a free license for Commerce Bug 1. So that's how long I've been working on Commerce Bug. And it's basically an in-browser debugging tool. It'll give you a lot of information about the code going on in the page. It basically, if you've ever had, in the simplest version, if you've ever had that problem, which freaking file can I find the piece of HTML in I need to find? Commerce Bug is a tool that can help (laughs) you solve that. Or if you're a little more advanced developer, which model is or models are being used on this page so I can dig into the code and find out what it's doing or which layout blocks are on the page. Or, you know, in the case of Commerce Bug 3 for Magento 2, it has tools that will help you with dependency injection. It will show you which classes are currently alias to other classes. It will help you find where the Mm -hmm. files are located. We're starting to build out the layout tools. Um, Magento 2 has made some subtle adjustments to how the layout system works so that it might not work the way you think it does. And we're starting to add debugging in for that. We also have a cloud-based service that will render out a directed graph of the layout so you can see which blocks are parents of other blocks. It's basically whoa cloud-based cloud-based service. You're getting into the SaaS. Uh, yeah, that was actually Is when. That- um, and so, just you know, full disclosure, I don't mind talking about competitors. Um, Zend, the company behind the uh, Zen framework, which was recently acquired, they have this tool called Zray. And one of the nice yes. things about now Zray is it's a pretty good tool. It does a lot of general things pretty well. Um, and the Magento versions of the plugin, they do an okay job. One of the advantages Z-Ray has is because it's designed to work with Zen's server platform is they can give you a lot of debugging information you might not normally get. And when they release that, I'm like, well, oh, geez, you know, I've kind of been sitting on my laurels for a while and haven't had a chance to do anything new or great or, you know, add any new features. I don't have a server platform. What can I do? Oh, well, maybe I can start offloading some of these features to the cloud. Because for a long time, I wanted to release a version that would, you know, output that all-important directed graph as more than just a text file that you need to put into a program like GraphViz. So now, with the cloud-based version of that, you can just click on a button, and it will show that directed graph. And the problem I found trying to do that client-side with libraries was, you know, Magento's layout is a tree of nested parent-child block objects, mostly, And it's that mostly part that was causing all these problems if I tried to feed it into any graph-based library that worked with JavaScript. So by offloading that to the cloud, I can now give people that all-important visual representation of the graph for themselves, and they can, you know, find the layout blocks they're looking for even more easily. So... To the cloud. To the cloud. That's awesome, man. And just because... That's a bad inside joke that we have here on the podcast. Gotcha. Uh, Old man yells at cloud is my favorite. <laughs> there's also there's also uh, I will plug somebody's Chrome extension called um now this is going to be very serious it's called cloud to butt it basically replaces <laughs> <Yes>. any <laughs> text in a web page that says cloud with the word butt and it creates oh, some yeah, very yeah. um it's good for a laugh in the afternoons there's this I other one that. I learned about recently that replaces mo- millennials with snake people <laughs> 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 Which is just, I didn't even realize it until a millennial told me about it. Oh, man. I mean, a snake there person. There are so many good show person. titles those, in this those, one. This those millennials so are the worst. I mean, I can't believe they can't exist in this broken world we've created for them. 
Uh, <laughs> no, these snake people. Let me tell you what. And pointing this out our show is a, pointing out our failures. They they got to stop doing that. That that nonsense. I know. It just makes us all look bad. They need to get a job and stop complaining so much is what they need to do. To wrap up the uh, pitch portion of it. And get off my lawn. Yeah, sure. Basically, if you're trying to learn Magento or your team is trying to learn how Magento works, Commerce Bug is a fantastic tool for that. If you're a developer coming in new to Magento and you want a way to kind of jumpstart your understanding of the platform, it's another great tool for that. Um, Unlike some of the free debugging extensions out there, we're more feature-rich. You also get support from me if you're having trouble installing it or, you know, you're working on one of these systems that has been hacked 12 ways till sideways and having trouble getting the extension up. You know, there's email support that will help you get that up and running. So, and, Mm. you know, also, you know, not to uh, go the NPR route on this, you know, my product sales. Go full NPR. Phil's a big NPR NPR guy. Well, in addition to a tote bag. (laughs) (laughs) But and Alan's to get back to designer it, tote bag. You know, the yeah. fact I have these products are part of what allows me to take, you know, the week or two that it can often take to get a good Magento article out the door. If I didn't have these products, those articles wouldn't exist. So if you ever ever have read something I've written and would like me to keep writing more on that, buy the extension and you will find you will become a better Magento developer with it, but you'll also be helping support me and helping keep me writing and afloat yeah. and solvent. And uh yeah, Thus ends the uh, that's great. pitchy shill portion of the podcast for me. If you want to get those, keep that Alan Storm juicy article content coming your way, you need to buy a copy of Commerce Bug and support the yeah. cause and receive your memor- commemorable tote bag. Um, your commemorable tote bag, if you will. <laughs> tote bag no, does not actually exist. Awesome. It's a virtual tote bag. <laughs> this is <laughs> Alan Storm may not be a real person and this may not actually apply. Um, speaking of, well, I, I yeah. couldn't thank, I couldn't thank you enough for coming on. I, I think we are getting a little long, uh, in the time. So I want to make sure that we're, uh, we're respectful of Alan's time. Sure. Uh, is there anything you want to ask of us, Alan? Is there anything we can uh, do for you? You know, not right now, but you know, one day, um, I may call on you for a service and. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm ready. I'm at the ready. The next Ash cloud. I'll come rescue uh, no. you. Guys, I have to ask. Oh, ask Sorry, ask away. Ahead. Ask away. I have to ask. Alan Storm feels like a pseudonym. Is it a pseudonym? It because is, if it not, it's is just the not a pseudonym. It is my actual wow. name. It, uh, as family lore goes, when uh, my family moved here from you know Germany way back when, I think it was my great grandparents. They had this giant, crazy German-sounding last name, and the guy at Ellis Island said, "What the heck does that mean?" And they're like, "Oh, it means storm clouds." And they're like, "Your last name is Storm." Okay. And that's where it came from. That is amazing. Yeah. And as an adult, as an adult, it's it's a great name to have and I love it. But, you know, I will tell you as a kid, you know, you know how nice kids can be about stuff. So, you know. (laughs) Oh, sure. It quickly became, oh, that's different. Let's focus our teasing on that guy. So I still have a list of people coming for you one day. Kids. Not really. Coming for him <laughs> with a heavy tote I love bag. That. I've always thought that uh, Alan Storm was a pseudonym for Ted Kaczynski. Yep. I was, I've been, I've been convinced that uh, you don't write these uh, these blogs on anything but like an old uh, an old typewriter uh, sitting in the woods in a shop. Yeah, mechanical that would typewriter be awesome. at that. Not one of those fancy selectors. That would be exactly. awesome. 
<laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you meddling. Kids. That's how I, that's how I think of that's how I think of Alan Storm. He's like a Scooby Doo villain. Yes. Um, nice. Yes. Nice. I can live with that. I can live with that. The uncaught Scooby Doo villain. I love that. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm like I'm Christopher oh, Waltz in that latest James Bond movie. I am the Scooby Doo villain that is running all the other Scooby Doo villains. That's right. You would. You would. You would you? do that. You would. You would do just that. Kalen, um, do we have anything else for Alan while we have him here? I think this is a good place to to end. Um, so thanks again, Alan. This was a complete blast. Really appreciate it. And it was great to finally get to chat with you long form and put it on the record for all to enjoy. Um, thanks everybody for uh, listening. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, go ahead and pop over to the, the website, magetalk.com, jump in the episode, post a comment. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, have a great week. And if you're listening to this before Imagine, we'll see you at Imagine. Be sure to come say hi and uh, ask for your commemorable tote bag. We will have them in <laughs> hand. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, thank you, Alan. And uh, uh, thank you all. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you.